right. I'll give you the address so you can put your finger there for a second. But it's going to be Galatians, okay? We're going to be in Galatians chapter 2, which is an amazing uh, chapter. But before I get there, let's give me give you some kind of prep. So Tony and I have been doing retreats now for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. It's becoming, somewhere around, it's become an annual thing for us. And the reason it becomes an annual thing for us is something Frank already knows, which is why he actually launched this place, something, reason why you know. Any guy, we talked about this with Trevor last night, any guy that knows what it's like to get away with another group of guys knows there's something special. There's just something unique about getting around with a group of guys. And uh, I was talking to Craig, he's like, man, it's been some good stuff so far, right? Good luck, man. Tee it up. You know, it's your turn now, right? And here's, here's what I hope you're going to get from this message. Um, not one of us is an exceptional speaker. Not one of us has anything profound of our own to offer to you. Did every guy you've heard bear testimony, pray with you, sing with you, or preach? Hopefully you got to see uncovered from them that all they have is Christ. And when they offer him to you, if you have him, your heart starts to beat. Like you get excited, whether you're singing about him or talking about him or you're hanging out there, you know, on the porch and you're having a conversation that you didn't see coming. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, there he is. And that man inside of me. And then here's the thing I want to tell you about retreats because I've been doing them so long and these guys have been doing them so long. Here's the problem you're going to run into. You're going to leave today. We used to leave from the mountain. We'd say we're coming down off the mountain. But you're going to leave from the island, okay? And you're going to go back to life. Nah. Yeah. No, stay here. No, stay here, honey. Just going to camp out. Y'all need to talk to Frank. He puts you to work, man. You can stay all week. I was going to say, I think there's a rental process, but you can work it out. But generally, you got to leave at some point, especially if you're married, all right? <laughs> right, Frank? you got to leave to go fish. Yeah, you got to go fish for men. You can't, you can't catch any more. That's right. Go Ooh, we just read about that in Mark uh, last, uh, last week. I mean, we can go meet the boats out there. You could meet the boats, man, and, you know. Just take the boat out. But let me give you a picture. I don't even plan on preaching this. Uh, this is how this is going to roll, okay? Anybody ever heard of the Mount of Transfiguration? The Mount of Transfiguration. It's in the Gospels. It's a real fancy word for uh, Jesus' uh, closest peeps. Anybody know who Jesus' closest peeps were? He had three that were closest to him. I know Peter was one. Peter was one of them. John and James. So these three guys go up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. They go up this mountain. They're hanging out with him. And all of a sudden, two people appear out of nowhere. Who are the two people? Moses and Elijah. And Peter's like, oh, snap. And he's having this moment like, I can't believe they're here. I mean, these are his heroes in the faith, so to speak, because he grew up Jewish. He's like, oh, my gosh. The giver of the law and, like, the greatest prophet of all Israel's ever had. And he says something. Does everybody remember what he says? Let's make a tent. Let's make a tent. Let's put up tents. And then from heaven, a voice says, you're an idiot. Okay? (laughs) Paraphrase. That's a paraphrase, okay? You're an idiot. Shut up and listen to my son. So here's why I'm telling you that. Every believer, every Christian, every man, when they have an experience like this, wants to put up a tent. And that's a problem. Because the first thing they came down off the mountain, you know what happened? They run into a guy who's demon-possessed at the bottom of the mountain. 
and the disciples are confounded. We couldn't cast this demon out. What did we do wrong? What didn't work right? And Jesus, well, this only comes out by fasting and prayer. But what you really need to see is he put their butt to work right away. They went back fishing for men. They really did. The other thing you're going to experience as you come off the island is the things that you wrote here, if you're not very diligent, are somehow going to creep back up in your life. That root that you said you got to get to, that you got to cut off, somehow that gets watered over a source of time. And you, you get out of that mode of not living with Jesus day to day. And then the next thing you know, this stuff, you're like, where did I, I, I thought I dealt with that? One of the things I told Tony, because I go through spells with that. There's a couple of mine on here. And I've actually said this during communion, which we're going to do a little later on. We do communion once a month. We're, we're old Methodists that way. Okay, so we do it the first Sunday of the month. Well, they changed it on me. The Deeks did. But we do it once a month. And there's been times I've gone to the communion table. I don't know if you've ever done this. And I went, Lord, I wish I could stand before you today with a different sin. I wish I wasn't still dealing with this. And then I realized something that I'm hoping you'll get from Galatians 2 in a second. The problem wasn't him. The problem is so me. Somehow I've come back to it's how hard I work or how faithful I am or how dedicated I am or how spiritual I am. Yeah. Well, what's that? Which one? All right. Or how well I work my steps. And in that moment, I realize I'm relying on my own power again. And that's why this stuff comes back up in my life. And that's why this part of Galatians 2 is so powerful for us. So I wanted to end with, I was listening to Pastor Danny and I was listening to Pastor Mark and I was listening to Scott and listening to the testimonies and the stories around me over the weekend. And I realized as I was listening carefully, oh gosh, the Lord is leading us to Galatians 2. And the reason he's leading us there is, by the way, this happens to every guy. I don't care how spiritual you are. So go there. Go to Galatians 2 real quick. We're going to start in verse 11. And uh, we've been picking on Danny, and I love the guy. So hopefully you know I love you more than yeah, yeah, you can yeah, even. Yeah. I know. Talk is cheap. <laughs> I give you a hug, but you hate him. So, But Danny thought he was Paul. He really is Peter. Y'all watch him for a while. You'll get that. But I think the reason Danny might think he was Paul was because of this text right here. Because you're about to see Paul get up in Peter's grill in Galatians 2.11. So let me just read through this a little bit of time. And I want to show you something here that hopefully will change your whole perspective of your retreat. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. So stop there for a second. So y'all, y'all know where uh, Peter was hanging out before this? He was in Jerusalem. He was hanging out with the Jews. This was his main place, right? He was in that place. This is where the, the birth of the church happens, right in this place. And, and Peter's there, yeah. And so he's not in Antioch. He's visiting Antioch. So hold on to that thought for a second. And if y'all remember in the book of Acts, Peter has an amazing moment where he has this vision and there's this sheet that's lowered with all these animals on it. And God says, Peter, get up, kill and eat. He says, surely not, Lord. None of those unclean things have ever touched my lips. He says, don't call unclean what I've made clean. And then essentially with this vision that he's given in the book of Acts, which precedes what you're reading right now, he says to Peter, right, go share the gospel with the Gentiles. And then he leaves, he shares with a centurion, the guy gets saved, his whole household. It's amazing, right? Fisher of man. 
He sends him out after this vision. And then he realizes, oh my gosh, this gospel, this good news is not just for the Jews. It's for everybody. And somehow he came off the mountain and he got hanging out with a different group of people. That would never happen to you, right? You won't go back to hanging out with some of your peeps that are your old peeps that maybe have a different whole perspective on life and they begin to draw you back into a whole different worldview that they draw you out of that spiritual moment. And the next thing you know, Pete is hanging out with some people called Judaizers. And as he's hanging out with these Judaizers, mm, they start saying, Peter, you're a Jew, man. You got to follow the law. Like these guys got to get cut. Can you imagine the early gospel being... I want you to know Jesus, but drop your drawers. I got a flint knife blade, and um, we got to deal with something. Golly, mm, day, man. Yeah, you think baptism's bad, okay? So hold on, man. Just hold your breath a second. Quiet, okay? You're good. You're in. And we already threw out all the Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. No Novocaine. You guys are all in recovery, so no drugs. You're on your own. Okay, so it's a bad moment. And that's what he's come back into this stuff, not just the Flint Knight stuff. He's come back into you got to obey all the law. You've got to eat only the right food. There's all these rules, and all these rules are heaped on top of Pete with these Judaizers. And he comes back and he says, yeah, I'm back in. I'm in with the rules again. i got to follow the law. This has never happened to you, right? You ever heard someone say, oh, man, your problem is you need to go to church. You realize there's an inherent problem when I tell you to go to church, right? Because you are the church. So if you are the church, the problem's not going to church. The part is, are you gathering with other people who, whereby you're experiencing the gathering of who Jesus truly is, and he's transforming your life? I want to, when I go to church, that's what I'm expecting, by the way. Not to have some experience, okay, or be entertained. And so Pete's all jacked up, and not only is he jacked up, he shows up in Paul's hometown, so to speak. Do you get that? So Paul leaves Jerusalem to go to Antioch during the greatest persecution of the church because the church wasn't obedient to Jesus. So Jesus allowed them to actually go through a bunch of junk, be persecuted, and then they all disperse and leave, and they go to this place called Antioch. Then the greatest missional movement of the church ever launches out of Antioch. They start going everywhere to share this gospel for everybody. Every Jew, every Gentile, they didn't care. They didn't care what race you were, religion you were, sex you were. They didn't care. They were just sharing the gospel with everybody. And people were getting saved, and it's exciting. And then he's, Paul's like, this is awesome. And then Pete comes walking up in his house, this whole Judaizer mess. And this is why he says, I got up in his grill. You just came to the greatest missional movement of how God's heart is moving, and you walk into this place, and you're going to tell me follow the law again? Are you out of your mind? So he gets up in his grill. <clears throat> just in that one verse, that's all packed in there based on the history here. I was clear. He's clearly in the wrong. Keep going, verse 12. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, they began to draw back and separate themselves from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcised group. That's, if you all know what circumcision is, that's the cut woman, okay? That's the blend. The other Jews joined him, listen to this church in Ben, in his, what? Hypocrisy. hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Y'all know Barnabas' name means son of encouragement? 
this guy's whole ministry, he, he was the guy that Danny needed earlier. He's like, man, stop picking on me. He needed a Barnabas in that moment. He's like, somebody love on me, okay? This guy keeps picking on me. I need somebody to love on me. Barnabas was the guy that always loved on people. I'm not picking on you now. I'm loving on you. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so. It's a mix. It's a mix. It's, I told you, sharp time love, man. So, so reality is, is Barnabas is always encouraging people, but now he's not encouraging people. He's so polluted by this thinking. He's been drawn into the law. He's been drawn to all the things you have to do to have a living relationship with Jesus. That's something busted there. Do you feel it? There's something wrong with that. So then Paul goes on explaining this to this church in Galatia. Look what he says in 14. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the what? The truth of the gospel. The, gospel. the good news. I said to Peter in front of them all, <laughs> You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? What's that? He cut very deep. He said he called him a Pharisee. You're a stinking hypocrite. You tell people one thing, yet this is really how you live. And then you've got the balls to walk up in my house where God is moving in powerful ways and bring the law. Don't miss, there's a lot of emotion in scripture that we just gloss over. Paul is pissed. He is angry. And it's a righteous anger, the kind of anger you see with Jesus. And the reason he's angry, by the way, because there's nothing wrong with the law. There's a lot of great wisdom in the law. He's angry because their focus shifted from Jesus alone to the law. Go on. You see it right here. He says, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Brothers, this is so important for us to get. The retreat that Tony and I went to for all those years, we heard one message every year. It's all about Jesus. And you've been wearing yourself out trying to gain his approval, gain the approval of man, trying to deal with your crap and junk on your own. And really, this is all about him and not about you. And that's transformative. And that's what you're seeing as he writes to this church. Don't be lured in to this false gospel, this false narrative. It's not good news at all. It'll just wear you out. And then guess what happens? I got to go back to church and get my fill. I got to go back to the retreat to get another pump up. That's not why you should be here. That might be why you're here and God will deal with it because he's cool like that. He's gracious. Much more gracious than me and Danny. I can tell you that right now. We both got Paul and Peter and us and... We're working on the grace thing a lot of times. I'll tell you the first time I saw this in the church. I was a new pastor, freshly ordained. Yay, right? Okay? Just got ordained. They just laid hands on me, suckers. And uh, <laughs> here I am. They didn't know what they got. And I'm at the altar for the first time. We're doing an altar call. And they give an invitation. And I'm there with my lead pastor. I'm like, this is great. I get to be at the altar. <laughs> what we do. And so I'm there, I'm there at the altar. And I'm waiting, man. I'm waiting, I'm looking, you know, they're playing one more verse of what, what's the song we always play for the altar call? 
Yeah, I surrender. One more, one more, one more course. I surrender all. You know, guilt of man. Come on, come on, come on, people. You ain't moved yet. Move. And then this guy moves. And I'm like, oh, here he comes. And I look at the lead pastor, and he says, which was code for, he's all yours. And I'm like, he's putting me in. Like, coach, put me in, right? I get to pray with this guy. And he gets down. And this guy starts crying and weeping. He's telling me all the crap he's done in his life. I mean, it's like, holy cow, this guy's confessional. Like, I'm laying hands on the I wanted to get oil at that point, man. I'm praying over the guy. I mean, I was like, wow. And then I went to my pastor after. I said, do you know what he confessed? He said, yeah, he confesses it every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday he comes back to the altar every week gets his shot of Jesus so to speak and then goes back and lives his life the way he always lives it he was living under the law what's so funny about that or ironic is he's living under the law yet knows Jesus this is what happens to us if we're not very careful when we leave this place you will gravitate back to the law you'll gravitate back to things you have to do to be approved, to work out your salvation, which is not what that means, by the way. I, I love, Danny brought up the first steps of recovery. I do really love them when you, when you, you give them, man, right? I can't. God can. God can. I think I'll let him. The funny thing is in recovery, I want you to see this for a second, because it works in recovery this way if you're not careful. You start with the right heart. Man, God can. I can't. God can. I think I'll let him. And then somewhere along the way, as you're doing that inventory and you're doing that daily thing and you're coming back, all of a sudden your recovery comes about what you can do. I need that meeting. I need that group of guys. At the end of the day, all you needed was Jesus. He's the one that changed your life. And that, that's, that's what's happening here. It happens in church too. It happens in church a lot. And then he says in 17, if while we seek to be justified in Christ, watch this, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners. Does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I'm a lawbreaker. Stop there for a second. Keep your finger there on 19. If I rebuild what I already put there, it just proves I'm a lawbreaker. In other words, this stuff will come back up. Paul knows it. He knows it's going to come back up. And as we become more knowledgeable about the law, about God's holiness, about God's goodness, about God's word, then we become more knowledgeable about our sin. He doesn't rebuild it. He just shows us how sinful we are. And then we rebuild it. This is why I love your, your illustration of building the wall. The problem is Jesus crashes the wall. We're like, yay, I'm free. And then we rebuild the wall. It's insane. It's an insane cycle. And and it's the same bricks. And they're not even as nice now because they're busted, right? We rebuild the wall. It's amazing to me. I do this. This is why I understand Paul when he says, I know the things I ought to do, yet I do the things I know I'm not supposed to do. What a wretched man I am, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. With me. So go on to 19, then he says, For the law, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. 
And then this is a verse, if you've never memorized it, highlight it, mark it, memorize it. Then he says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now I want you to be very careful with this again, just pull it apart a little bit. Did he say, um, you will crucify? What's the word? He says, I have past tense. Past tense. I have been crucified with Christ. Not I will be, not I am being. I have been. Here's the problem with our faith at many times in the church and with men. He already crucified this stuff. Do you realize that? He's already nailed this to the cross. The problem, again, is not with him. It's with we're not operating in belief. We're not operating by faith. I have been crucified with Christ. Person that put on here pornography or lust. Are you a pornographer? No. If you think you are, you're living in the law. That's been crucified. You don't live anymore. The life you now live, you live by faith in Christ. You're a new creation. But you have to believe that. You have to operate in that. The person dealing with an addiction. You should work the process. I'm not telling you not work the process. But here's one of the things. You're not identified by the addiction. You are not. You're identified solely because Christ, what did he do with that addiction? He nailed it to the cross. The person says that they deal with self-esteem and pride. I'm a prideful man. Are you? If you still think you're a prideful man, you're operating on your own power and your own will. Your pride was nailed to the cross. You no longer live. The life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God who died for you. You start getting a hold of this, and then you start operating in a daily belief system where you know that he's not only saved you, but he has sanctified you. He has set you apart. You heard that the first night, right? I love that Danny said, uh, let's just deal with one of the bullcrap pieces. God will never give you. More than you can handle. He's going to give you more than you can handle. You know why he does it? Because <laughs> he, he always wants you to come back to him. And when you come back to him, you have no choice but to come by faith. Strength. His strength, strength not mine. And that, that's, that's why Paul is so mad. He's mad because Peter has gone back to follow the law. That's the problem when we tell people, you got to do this and this and this and this, and then it'll be okay. It's true. You need one thing. You need Christ. And that's all you need. Now, here's the funny thing about recovery. These guys that are involved in recovery and really good at it and have been doing it a long time, They'll tell you, guess who you're supposed to find within the whole process of recovery? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, right? That's the whole point. Every single step is a re-examination in time with Jesus. It's a discipleship process. He heals you the program, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. The program. the program can't heal you. He does. But the program gives you a framework by which to connect to him. If you get that backwards, the problem is, is you'll always end up still struggling back to the same issue. You have been set free. 
But you have to believe that. You have to operate in that. Never forgot when I learned this in Bible college, and it just messed me up. We had two different professors, and uh, they were both from two different kind of mindsets. One said, hey, here's how spiritual growth works. You either feed the one dog or you feed the other dog. The dog you feed the most grows you. That makes a lot of sense. Can't find it scripturally. That's a different problem. Um, right? And then I had another professor said, no, no, no. Past tense, you've been crucified with Christ. This is a belief problem, not a feeding problem. Because if you have a belief that all you want to do is hang out with Jesus every day, not just this day, and begin your day and give all of your heart to him, guess what you'll do? As a result of that faith, you'll feed yourself, you will. But if you try to feed your soul to get Jesus and you get it backwards and you go back to the, this is why our devotion sucks so many times. Anybody ever tried to do a devotion like, man, I, my devotion life sucks right now. I just can't read the Bible. My prayer life's not right. Blah, 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 blah. You know why? You're operating on the law. You're doing a checkbox. As you do that checkbox, you're like, I'll do the checkbox and then magically my heart will be healed and everything will be good. What you should be doing is falling in love with Jesus again and then want to hang out with him when you read his word. Changes everything. And yes, the church struggles with this. Just about every denomination, just about every church I've ever been in, there's a little hint of hypocrisy and Phariseeism in there and they have rules. Y'all heard it, right? Scott came in, wanted to, just wanting to know who Jesus is and his new church when he got there, and they're building something. He's like, I can build. This is something I can do with my hands. I'm a man. He shows up to the meeting, and he's told, oh, you're not a member. There's a rule here, man. There's a rule. There's a rule. <laughs> Eat, love, pray. There's a rule here. And he's like, oh. yep. By the way, don't judge the church too harshly for that. Hopefully one day they woke up on the other side and realized, get rid of the stupid rule. Let people serve that maybe aren't even part of your team. Maybe they'll find Jesus while they're serving on your team. What a, what a novel concept. I think Jesus did that. When do you think the apostles actually became believers? They were some severe knuckleheads, man, for three and a half years. You're not a fisherman. Yeah, you can't come, you tax collector. Yeah, you're done. You're not in. And then, he, and then Paul ends it with this. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Brother, this stuff will set you free. I'm not kidding because it's Jesus. For my first retreat or second retreat at Black Rock where Tony and I encountered Jesus so many times together. I'll never forget, um, some of y'all brought up these two topics and I'm going to offend probably one of you, not intentionally, but... Um, I'm just going to be real, okay? Because these are real things we deal with in our churches, okay? Um, I had one brother on this side of me who was a recent Calvinist. Anybody ever met a hyper-Calvinist? <laughs> and they had, they had it all figured out. And they had a cool acrostic called Tulip. And this was the greatest theology that man had ever found. And this is how, if you didn't believe this, you needed to surrender to this. And Man, I got hit in the head all the time with Tulip. Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints and if you don't believe in this theology something's skewed with you something's wrong with you and i'm like man is this right is it wrong i'm a new believer i don't know what to do and I had another brother on the other side of me says hey have you received the second blessing of the spirit yet has somebody laid hands on you and you prayed in tongues yet have you received the fullness of the holy ghost and i'm like i don't know but i want it so i'm like asking for it and i'm running around I'm like lay hands on me somebody and i'm trying to get it so i've got tulip on this side and i've got rain it down on this side 
And I'm very confused. And I'm in a men's retreat. And Ed Miller spoke on this passage. And he said this after he did this verse. He said, if anyone ever tells you to add something to Jesus or take something from Jesus, they just told you Jesus isn't enough. <clears throat> By the way, you got brothers in here that probably have to give the tongues. Amen. I love them. God gives people to give the tongues. He gives people to give interpretation. He gives some people nerdy brains for theology. Tulip people that run around, want to water them. Okay? Huh? Nerdy people with theology. Yeah? Oh, I love that stuff. I geek out, man. Yeah. But it doesn't make anyone better or worse. I hope, I hope the only reason that they're seeking any of those gifts or any of those things is so they can know Jesus and make him known to other people. Yes. That's the reason. And we should love our brothers. They're so diverse and so different. We had someone come up to the church a few weeks ago. Remember that? And they were coming through with the, the chicken line we had. And uh, we're just praying with people. Can we pray for you? And they're like, yes. And we're praying with people, praying with people, praying with people. And this one guy comes up and says, what kind of church is it? I said, it's a Christian church. And she's like, no, 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 what kind of church? I'm like, well, what are you looking for? Like a flavor? And she's like, no, 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 you know, like give me a denomination of some kind. I said, well, what kind of denomination are you looking for? I'll send you to that church. And she's like, well, I'm Pentecostal. I said, well, there's Pentecostals in there. Oh, for real? Like, oh, yeah. There's even a few that run. You just don't see them. They run in the back, okay? We got Pentecostals. We got Charismatics. We got Lutherans. We got Catholics. We even got Baptists that think they're the only ones saved. We got some of those too. And they're all recovering. And they're all recovering. Well, there's some denial. There's some still in denial. It's not just a, it's a, I know you got it. But she just couldn't believe that. I'm like, why do we make it about this stuff? We come back to the law. It's not about the law. And the reason I tell you this is I want you to leave this retreat. And I want you to realize this has been dealt with already. Because if you don't realize that this has been dealt with already, you'll take it back and you'll take it back with you and it'll grow roots and it'll come back up at some point. A uh, guy who had a big impact on my life, some of you know, is a guy named Dave Wilkins. Dave Wilkins was my stepfather-in-law. He had a really cool visualization. Guys need visuals, right? He had a, he was, he was a, used to go on trains. He was a conductor and did all that stuff. And Dave had a, what he called the God bag. He, had, he was a brown, you know, lunch guy. So he always had a brown lunch bag. And so he was trying to deal with some stuff from his divorce and his drinking and just different things he struggled with. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not doing a good job dealing with this stuff. And he's reading scripture and he's reading Galatians. And he finally comes to this moment where he says, oh, you know what? I just need a visual of how this works. Like guys need a visual. So he took his lunch bag and he wrote on it, God's bag. And he put it on the mantle at his house. And every time he had some junk he was dealing with, he'd write it down because he knew he couldn't deal with it. He'd put it in the God bag, roll it up, put it on the mantle. And then every time it would come back into his prayer life, he would say, no, 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 that's been dealt with. That's been nailed to the cross. That's, that's God's bag. That's not my bag. I can't carry that stuff. And it gave him a daily visual every day of, no, 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 Jesus has dealt with this. I am free. I am not that man anymore. I'm a new creature in Christ. And he began to walk by faith. We, we need this kind of thing, guys. In a moment, you're going to get an opportunity to take that block and do something very visual with it. The things that you wrote here. Did you forget your block? Have a new block.
Yeah. New block. Took your blocks, man. You're supposed to leave the blocks on the island, guys. You know, I'm pretty sure that was It's okay. Well, then we were told we weren't doing it. Listen. Maybe maybe they were ahead of the message and realized. You misheard. Maybe they were ahead of the message. You realize it's not about following the law. Okay. You follow the law. Yeah. This is good. This is just a visual for you. It's not. It's not the letter of the law. Some of you got them up here. Okay. And some of our brothers have left. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, I want to pray for you in a moment. But I want you to understand the power of the gospel. Christ has dealt with your sin. All of it. This is why this is good news. You can't add anything to what he did when he died on the cross. You cannot take anything away from what he did. He is completely sufficient on his own. And because of that, when we put our hope and our faith and our trust only in him, and we're forgiven, we are free. We are no longer in bondage to this stuff. We need to be reminded of this truth. So the next time you feel tempted, whether it's for a feel of failure or maybe of lust, you pause that moment. You pray. And you say, Lord, I, this isn't me anymore. I'm not this person. I'm a new creation. This is not who I am. You believe that. With everything that you've got. Based not on your power, but based on Christ living in you. And when you'll do that, You'll be shocked what starts to happen in your life. You'll be shocked. Jesus will start showing up in ways that you can't imagine, you can't design. And one of the other things you need to do with this is what happened at the first part of this verse. We're all going to one day go a little stray with this. We're not going to do this perfect. Again, we're going to gravitate back to our vomit, Danny's favorite passage. <laughs> we're going to come back to it. And I pray that you're with a group of men that hold you accountable, that hang out with you, whether it's in a recovery meeting or a growth group or a small group or a hangout or with coffee, and they're going to get in your grill and they're going to say, you are an idiot. You've gone back to the law. <clears throat> and they're going to bring you back to faith. And they're going to pray with you and they're going to love you and you'll have an open enough trusting relationship that you'll be growing in your confession with them all the time. That's your daily inventory. As you confess that to them, they're there. I'm, I'm praying with you. But they're going to bring you back to faith, not some religiosity that's only going to wear you out and make you feel like you're scum and just not good enough. That's the stuff that God wants in our lives. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. Uh, Tony has directed me. Here's what we're doing. You're going to leave this location and you're going to go out to where the fire pit is. Tony has, he'll instruct you as you get there. You're going to take your brick, your, your block. He'll tell you what to do when you get there. And you're going to exchange it for something. You'll find out when you arrive. But when you leave, you'll take this and you'll exchange it. And then you'll receive instructions there to go somewhere else. And then from there, you'll receive some more instructions to go somewhere else. By the way, this is what faith looks like. God gives us just one step of faith. We can follow it. We can ignore it. And then when we're obedient to the first one, 
he says, man, well done. Now do this. And by the way, I'm going to go with you because I love you. And we'll walk alongside of you. Okay? So we'll pray for you. And then that moment, Tony, you get your guys how you've worked all this out. And then you'll come back here and we'll, we'll conclude in a very unique way our weekend. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the heart of a God who didn't want to just be separated from his creation, but descended from heaven to earth. He came here so that we might know him. We might know Jesus, experience Jesus, taste of Jesus, and know he is so good. Father, we get so worn out trying to be good enough, noble enough, work hard enough, gain the acceptance of man and you. And when that happens, Lord, we gravitate back to the law and the things that are deep-rooted that Pastor Danny shared about, things that maybe we we put here the symptom, but they're deep-rooted in our lives. They just start to bubble up again. And we start living based on our own works or the church's rules or some other man-made rule. And we somehow miss the total sufficiency of Jesus. And when he died for us, he paid for it all. And because of that, Lord, I'm free. I'm accepted. I don't have to do anything for your acceptance. I just have to keep following after you. And you keep meeting me in every place I go. Uh, Gosh, it's such a mystery, Lord. We don't understand it. We don't fully comprehend it. But we are so drawn to just chase after Christ. The Holy Spirit is birthed in the men here, that desire to follow you. Lord, we don't want to follow anyone else. And Lord, today, there's some symbolic things that are going to help us to visualize that. But even in the symbols, Lord, don't, don't, don't let us miss you. If we miss you and we only see the symbols, we miss it. And we just want to experience Jesus in all of his fullness. Whatever you have for us, Lord, we set aside by faith, excited to experience who Jesus is again, fresh and new, and how he's about to change our lives. We thank you for this. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.